Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's focus for Saturday, January the 28th, 2023, at 11.57 a.m. Central Time. Today's focus, did God use unsaved people to write the scriptures? Did God use unsaved people to write the scriptures? Specifically, did God use someone who was unsaved to write Psalm 119? That's really where we're going to focus in on. But I think, I think we need to ask the broader question. How, how much of scripture was written by people who were not saved? How much of scripture was written by those who were lost? Those who loved the things of God, but they were unsaved. They loved the law of God, but they were unsaved. They desired to obey God, but they were unsaved. How much of scripture was written by the unregenerate. How much of the scripture was written by those who were not saved? Now, I know what you're thinking, or at least some of you. Some of you are thinking, this has to be the most ridiculous question I have ever been asked, because I think we all just assume maybe our presupposition is that God is using those who are saved to write the scriptures, right? That they are writing the scripture, Obviously, everything that's written, inspiration of God, it's God-breathed. God is breathing through the human authors to write his word. And it's a, in its original manuscript, it was infallible, perfect. I think we can, I think that's our, our, our basic assumption, right? I, I, I would think so. So you may be asking, why would you ask the question, did unsaved people write the scriptures? Because I think you would just immediately say, no, those who wrote the scriptures were obviously saved. I mean, wouldn't you, wouldn't you think so? I mean, specifically speaking, the, the author of Psalm 119, do you think that was a saved person or an unregenerate person? Now, the fact that I'm asking this question is, is how can I even say this? Let me, let me try, let me... Oh, I, I, this is so, oh, there, there's so many emotions here. All right. Listen, I, I understand that when you listen to lots and lots of, of sermons and lots and lots of Christian podcasts, I understand you're going to hear a lot of different perspectives. Like I, I, I obviously I'm not shocked by that. I'm not surprised by that, but sometimes when you're listening to this Christian podcast or this Christian podcast or this sermon or this sermon, sometimes something is said that just kind of leaves you at least, well, let me state it this way. It leaves me almost in a state of complete discouragement, almost a state of depression. Almost, I just feel defeated. I feel like, what's the point? 
It doesn't. Nothing matters. Vanity of vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Meaningless, 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 meaningless. It's just ridiculous. Why are we even playing this game? Nobody can agree on anything. It doesn't matter how crazy the idea is. I mean, sometimes you just like, there's just, I, I can't explain what happens, but just sometimes, like you get used to, well, nobody can agree on baptism. Nobody can agree on the Lord's Supper. Nobody can agree on how the church should be right. Nobody can agree on salvation. Nobody can agree on any. Like there, there's there's a level of, like it took me a while to get used to that, right? I mean, it still bothers me. But I mean, when I first kind of begin to realize nobody can agree on anything, that was already bothering me. But at some point you just kind of like, okay, that's just the way it is. It's sad that nobody can agree on anything. It, it's sad that all we do is fight and argue and debate. It, it is sad because supposedly the scripture is the final authority, but we can't even agree on how to read it or how to interpret it. But then, it, so there's like a level of acceptance of that. Even though it bothers me, I, I, I don't I don't find myself in the pit of despair about it. I just feel bothered by it, but I've learned how to, to press on even in the midst of that very unpleasant reality. But then there are times that I will hear something and I'll be like, for crying out loud, if we can't even agree on that, I mean, I thought it was bad, but that'll just be that next level, that next thing. And I'll just be like, it's all, it's forget it. There's no point in even trying. Like who, why even try to read? Why even try to study? We can't even come to an agreement on this it, sometimes you just, you're just, I don't know. I, 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 I just, I just want to just, you know what? I, I just, it's almost like you just, I just want to walk away. It's just like, I'm going to say, you know what? Here, I'm just going to put my Bible down. I'm going to put my pencil over here. I'm going to slide my notebooks, all the, all, all my theological degrees, all of my Bible Institute diploma, I, everything. I'm just going to push it all aside, everything, all my reference tool, everything, and just push it all aside and just walk away. And you say, well, that's ridiculous. Why would you think that way? Because come on. I mean, there's got to be some level of agreement on something, but I guess we now no longer even agree if saved people wrote the scripture because it's possible that unsaved people wrote the scripture. Specifically, I guess it was an unsaved person who wrote Psalm 119. And you're like, what are you talking about? Well, we spent five plus hours reviewing about a 45, 50-minute podcast episode from Theology and the Raw. And they spent about 50 minutes, I, mean, I think it maybe it was more, more like 55 minutes, but somewhere between 45 and 55 minutes. I don't have the exact time in front of me. No, it's more like 55 minutes. About 55 minutes. And their entire thesis for that particular episode of Theology and the Raw was this. In Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25, the Apostle Paul, who wrote that section, Romans 7, 14 through 25, and that section seems to describe, seems to describe that, and that was describing the life of an unbeliever, not the life of a believer. In Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25, if you don't, if you're not familiar with the section, it's the famous section where the author of Romans 7, Paul, the author writes that the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, those are the things I do. It talks about this conflict, this internal struggle where I want to do right, but I end up doing wrong, and I don't want to do wrong, and I end up doing it anyway. Like there's this, this struggle. 
Well, their thesis was, look, Paul was not writing that to describe a saved person. He was writing that to describe an unsaved person. Some argue that Paul was describing himself before his conversion. Uh, They also put forth the theory that Paul may not even have been describing himself, that in Romans 7, 14 through 25, he was was pretending to be something. He was pretending to be a character. He was was putting on a disguise. He was putting on a mask going, look, I'm going to pretend to be this unsaved Jew who wants to do right but can't do right. He loves God's law, but he can't obey God's law. And the reason he can't obey it is because he's not saved. And obviously, once we are saved, we no longer have the struggle. The things we don't want to do, we don't do. And the things we want to do, we do. Because now we have the power to obey God's law perfectly. Even though later on in the episode, they admitted that we don't have the power. It's confusing. But their theory... Their thesis, their hypothesis is that Romans 7, 14 through 25, and to be fair, they did not present it as a theory or hypothesis. They presented it as it's absolute fact and it's clear. And I don't know why any, everyone else misreads Romans chapter 7, but their theory was, look, Paul is not writing that to describe the life of a believer. A believer doesn't struggle like that. Lost people struggle like that. All right, so we, we, that's already... I'm not surprised by that. I've heard that position. Okay, I, 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 I wasn't, I mean, I was bothered and irritated mainly because of their own contradicting themselves. But then they came to this. Uh, okay, uh, someone just says, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't registering. It wasn't res- registering to me that that was the implications of what they were saying about that. All right, well, I hope I'm not misrepresenting it. So if if anyone thinks I'm misrepresenting it, please let me know. But from my perspective, what they went on to do is this is how they said it. Paul is basically pretending to be a Jew who loves God's law, but can't keep it, meaning they are not saved. An unsaved Jew who loves God's law, but can't keep it. Because if they were saved, they would keep it. And to explain this, or to try to demonstrate this, or to provide an example, or to provide an example of this, well, (laughs) this is what they said, all right? I want you to listen to this carefully. I've been bothered by it ever since. Uh, Okay, all right, someone says what I'm saying makes sense. I hope so, I hope so. I would feel horrible if I'm getting this completely wrong, but here we go. I want everyone to listen to this. You may you may come to a completely different conclusion, and that's okay. But I think that whether they intended to say this, they clearly are implying that obviously the writer of Romans 7, 14 through 25, uh, Paul, either he's pretending to be someone not saved, or either he's describing his own life before his salvation, and then they are going to say it's just like the author of, well, a specific chapter in the Bible. Listen, here we go. Ah, for Any sure. thoughts on that? So Will, Will Timmons has an article that says that the psalmist, Psalm 119, is the eyes, the, 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 the person here, his doppelganger. Because you see that Psalm 119 is, I love the law. Give me some more law. I can't get enough of your law. Yeah. Law, law, law. Love it, love it, love it. I want to rub, rub it all over me. Um, but, um, but, but, it, it, but he also has this idea that he can't obey the law. And it even ends with this confession. And so uh, I, he, he argues that um, if you want to understand Romans 7, you need to understand Psalm 119, where mm. you have this Jew who loves the law. But uh, this, and, and not, not just 119, but 
if you look at the history of Israel, uh, those who loved the law often failed to obey the law. Um, and so, uh, and then John Goodrich um, connects this passage of being sold as a slave to sin to Isaiah 40. Okay, then they're going to go to Isaiah. Now they say it quickly. Now, if you listen to the whole thing, you may not be able to pick up from that. But here's the uh, uh, the thing. The author of Psalm 119 is basically Paul's doppelganger. Okay, if I can say the word correctly. His twin, his is a doppelganger is an, an a double of a living person, right? A doppelganger is a is a, uh, is a biological unrelated lookalike or a double of a living person. That's a, doppel, a doppelganger, if I can say the word correctly this morning. All right. So they're saying, look, you read, if you want to understand Paul in Romans 7, where he's pretending to be a lost person or he's describing himself as a lost person, if you want to understand that, go to Psalm 119. Here's a Jew who's, I love God's word, but he can't keep it because he can't keep it, according to their theory, indicates that he isn't saved. So we would, so what they are claiming, I know they go by that really quick, but what they are claiming is that the author of Psalm 119 was someone who uh, wasn't regenerate, because in their view, regenerate people can keep the law. Now, even though before the podcast is over, they acknowledge we don't do it perfectly, so I don't know how you can say you keep the law, but don't keep it perfectly, because if you don't keep it perfectly, you're not keeping the law, because if you're guilty at one point, you're guilty of the whole thing. But, but that's a whole different argument. I was just blown away. And now all the emails I received, nobody, nobody seemed bothered by this. Everyone was kind of bothered by other things. And trust me, there was plenty of things to be bothered by. So I understand why some maybe not didn't, it didn't register with them. But for me, this was like, this was the thing that broke everything, right? This was, <laughs> this was the, I mean, I, I don't even know. I can't even explain to you like what these words did to me. It literally just like completely destroyed me. It broke me because I'm like, wait a minute. We now can no longer agree that some on who that's the author of Psalm 119 was an unsaved person. So here's what I want you to do, or here's what I want you to do today, if you have time. I want you to go through Psalm 119, and I want you to write down every personal pronoun where, this, where the psalmist seems to be a refer, referring to themselves, right? Just, you can ignore all the ver, other verses, just find the verses where the psalmist seems to refer to themselves. Let me give you an example. Let's go to Psalm 119 really quick. Because this, I, I'm, just, I'm just still baffled by this. All right, uh, Psalm 119. Let's see, where uh, where do we want to start? Let's just start with, um, let's just start with verse 6. Psalm 119, verse 6. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commands. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Now, somehow this is describing an unsaved Jew. Oh, and then it goes on. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that, thy, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. Verse 15, I will meditate in thy precepts. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. 
Now they're saying all of this describes this Jew who loves God's word, loves it, loves it, loves it. And they made this little, you know, they, they love the law, you know, rub more law on me, rub it on, you know, like they, I don't know why they were making the little joke, and, but they can't keep it. And because they can't keep it, clearly they're not saved. Why? Because this is the doppelganger, all right? I don't know why that word is causing me so many. I'm going to keep saying the word until I feel like I'm saying it right this morning. The doppelganger of Paul, right? Paul is over here in Romans 7 going, man, I, I, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Well, well, I mean, it's not. It's either Paul describing himself before he was saved or he's describing, well, basically an unsaved Jew like the writer of Psalm 119. Now, if you take their argument, you can only come to one conclusion. They are claiming emphatically that the author of Psalm 119 was lost and that all of those words we just read, those are the words of a lost person. And the, and what distinguishes a lost person from a saved person is not a love for God's word, not a desire to obey God's word. What separates a lost person from a saved person is a lost person loves it, a lost person desires it, but a lost person can't obey it. But we as believers, we can obey the law of God perfectly. We can keep it because now they, even though they backtrack later and say, we can't keep it perfectly. If you're going, if you're going to say, I can obey God's law, it demands perfection. So the only way to say you obey God's law would be perfectly because anything less than perfect is you're guilty of the law. So they're, they're claiming that Paul, if you want to understand Paul in Romans 7, man, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Either that's Paul describing himself before he was saved or describing an unsaved Jew. The doppelganger of Paul is the author of Psalm 119, who is an unsaved Jew who loves the law but can't keep the law, which indicates he's not saved. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if we've reached a point now that we can't even agree that the author of Psalm 119 was a saved person? And and, and did you hear what he said? I mean, just we see this throughout the entire Old Testament. I'm going to back this up one more time because I'm still just, I still can't believe what we heard. I still can't believe what we heard. I'm going to go all the way back. Hopefully I've gone back far enough. Here we go. Here we go. Because one of the main arguments I hear people say is like, well, what non-believer would say they delight in the law? Again, I would say exactly. every single first century Jew would say that. <laughs> like, mm, the whole yeah. point is not Paul talking about just an abstract non-believer. He's talking about a, a Jew trying to be free from the law of Moses and finding it not having the power to liberate. Only the spirit can liberate from from sin. Is that, I mean, yeah, for any sure. thoughts on that? So Will, Will Timmons has an article that says that the psalmist, Psalm 119, is... The eyes, the, the 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 person here, his doppelganger, because you see that Psalm 119 is, I love the law. Give me some more law. I can't get enough of your law. Yeah. Law, law, law. Love it, love it, love it. I want to rub, rub it all over me. Um, but, um, but, but, it, but he also has this idea that he can't obey the law. And it even ends with this confession. And so uh, I, he, he argues that um, if you want to understand Romans 7, you need to understand Psalm 119, where mm. you have this Jew who loves the law. But uh, this and, and not, not just 119, but if you look at the history of Israel, uh, those who love the law often failed to obey the law. Um, and so uh, and then John Good. There you go. The whole Old Testament. So the whole Old Testament, everyone who wrote scripture who seemed to indicate they loved it. 
but couldn't keep it, or they were talked about in the scripture as loving it, but couldn't keep it. They're, they're, they're Romans seven. They're, they're pre-conversion. They're, it's before their salvation. Paul was either describing himself or a Jew who wasn't saved, who, but he want, he loved God's law. He wanted to keep it, but he couldn't, and he didn't want to break it, but he kept breaking it. And the way to understand that is that his doppelganger is the, the author of Psalm 119. So I want you on your own today, just ignore me, ignore all, ignore anyone with a degree in theology at this point. Just, just ignore everyone. Just ignore everyone. Just take your Bible, go through Psalm 119, look, write, first count how many personal pronouns are used where the psalmist seems to describe himself, right? So I want you to go through all of Psalm 119, all of Psalm 119, right? I want you to write that and I want you to just count how many personal pronouns. And then I want you to ask yourself this very important question. If Psalm 119 describes a lost person, (laughs) what does that mean for you? Because if Psalm 119 is describing a lost person, I guess I'm going to have to, I I guess I'm going to have to, I don't know, I need to become lost. Because I typically most people read Psalm 119 and are convicted to the core because they're like, I don't love God's law that way. I don't desire God's that way. Woe is me. I am, I am convicted. But I guess now what we've learned is Psalm 119 is an unsaved person. And so there's unsaved people out there who love God and desire God more than you do. So I guess I need to get lost to what I'm going to do today is I'm going to lose my salvation so that I can become like the person in Psalm 119. But I don't, just don't take my word for it. You read, how many times is the, is the personal pronoun used? It should not take you long to go through. I want to count. And then I want you to ask yourself, does, does, if that describes a lost person, what does that mean for you? That's what I want you to focus on today, all right? There is your today's focus. I do apologize for any misspeaking or any confusion in this episode because over the last uh, little over 12 hours, I've had some serious issues going on. My head feels like it's going to explode. I feel like I've had 37 seizures today. I feel like I've been beaten with baseball bats. It's I feel horrible, but... I knew that I needed to do a today's focus. So since this has bothered me since yesterday, I thought that I would turn this into a today's focus so we could specifically focus on this. So forgive any uh, misspeaking or any stumbling over words like doppelganger. I don't know why all of a sudden I could not uh, say the word doppelganger. Maybe I was saying the word doppelganger, but it wasn't sound like, sounding right in my head. I don't know what I was doing, but hopefully you understand the point. So overlook my mistakes And focus on this, because this is a serious issue, ladies and gentlemen. Because if the author of Psalm 119 is lost, and most Christians read Psalm 119 and is convicted by it, that means we're being convicted by the state of a lost person. I like I don't even know what I how do I don't even know how to process theology at that point. I don't even understand how to process. Like I, I, I just, I, I've been looking at Psalm 119 every chance I've gotten over the last few hours, just trying to look at something. And I just, I'm just, I don't understand this. I don't under, when your desire to prove a theological point is so great that you'll go to any length to destroy, to twist and basically utterly obliterate 
the meaning of scripture simply to prove your theological point of view. That's that's dangerous. And that's what I feel like is happening there. And we've got to prove that the author and or Paul in Romans 7 is not describing a saved person because that can't be a saved person because this person is struggling to keep the law. They can't do it. Okay, well, what, what do we what, what do we turn to? What we can't turn to the reality around us because we all know that we struggle. Okay, so we can't. I know what we'll do. We'll go to Psalm 119. See that guy right there? He's Paul's doppelganger. He struggles. He can't keep the law. Obviously, he's lost. I I've I man, I've heard a lot of crazy things in my life. I've heard a lot of crazy things. This may have actually toppled every I mean, look I mean, you just, do you not understand if we can't even agree on that? I mean, I, Psalm 119 is usually preached in a way that everyone's like, man, I am so convicted. I am so convicted. I am so convicted. I'm so convicted. And now I just learned, why am I being convicted? That's just some lost guy. Yeah, big deal. You love God's law. You can't keep it. Man, I can. Like, I don't even understand how, I don't even know how you process that. And that person talking is a, I think he's a professor at a seminary who's writing a book on Romans. I mean, if that's what's happening in seminaries, I mean, at, at this point, you you got, I mean, I, I, and this is no joke. You're probably better off skipping seminary, maybe just, you know, hanging out on the street corner with some homeless guy and let them teach you theology. I, I hate to say that, but that's really basically where we've gotten because, um, yeah, I mean, wow, that that's worth money to pay for? All right, email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. And the word of the day is doppelganger. You say that guy in the Theology Central podcast today could not say the word correctly. Doppelganger. Why does that not sound right? Doppelganger. No, no, obviously, seriously, the, the, today's focus is on Psalm 119. Count how many personal pronouns are used. Look at all of where, all, how those personal pronouns are used, what it's describing, and ask yourself, if that's describing a lost person, what does that mean for you today? Thanks for listening. This has been your Today's Focus for Saturday, January the 28th. 2023.